I'm doing something today that probably thousands of pastors have done before on their last Sunday at a church. I'm going to preach on the Apostle Paul's farewell message to the church leaders of Ephesus. And that's recorded for us in Acts chapter 20. We'll begin reading at verse 17 and going through the end of the chapter. Uh, Verse 32 is the verse that we're going to focus on in particular, but we really do need to read uh, the entire passage. It's a very, very interesting passage. Acts chapter 20, beginning at verse 17. We read from Miletus, he, referring to Paul, sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia, and this would be a reference to like Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, that's the area that is being referred to. From the first day that I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable, and teaching you publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, bound by the Spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish the course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus, to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that all of you, among whom I went about preaching the kingdom, will no longer see my face. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves men will arise speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years I did not cease to admonish each one of you with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no man's silver or gold or clothes, You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my own needs and to the men who were with me. In everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, that he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And they began to weep aloud and embraced Paul and repeatedly kissed him grieving especially over the word which he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they were accompanying him to the ship. So that is the account of 
of Paul gathering with the, the church leaders of Ephesus and uh, giving them his farewell message. I'm, I'm glad that my circumstances are not even remotely close to that of the Apostle Paul, as, he, uh, as we read about here. Um, I expect to see you again. Imagine, you know, in their situation, Paul was um, telling them, don't count on seeing me again because of where he was going and what he knew was in store for him. And, and I'm glad that that's not the case for me. And, and I'm glad, too, that I'm not leaving on a ship like Paul was. And I'm glad that I, I'm leaving knowing that um, bonds and afflictions probably do not await me like Paul described. I mean, imagine that kind of a farewell. You've been with these people for three years. You've been ministering to their needs uh, night and day, Paul describes, and you're going to be leaving on this ship, and, and the Holy Spirit continues to tell you you are going to get shackled up and, and persecuted. And, you know, so here's Paul knowing that that's coming and, and leaving then these dear friends of his. Now, certainly there's a, there's a lot of unique things in this passage. And I'm not even going to begin to try to say that, you know, what Paul says, I can say to you, because there's so many differences here. But what I can say to you, and what I want to focus on this morning, is, is verse 32. And what Paul says there is something that I think uh, I, I can make application for today, given our situation. A lot of the rest of it is very unique to Paul, and it would be a little foolish for me to say that I can say the same thing as Paul. But verse 32 says, And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. Now the word commend could, could be translated entrust, and that maybe connects with us a little bit better. I entrust you to God and the word of his grace. That, that's the idea. And so what Paul is doing is really saying two things as he says, I commend or I entrust you to God and the word of his grace. Paul is, first of all, pointing them to God and his word to help them and provide for them as they move forward as a church. And again, Paul was speaking to the leaders of the church. But what Paul is doing is essentially reminding them to keep their focus on God and his word. He's pointing them to that. I commend you or I entrust you to God and his word. But Paul was also saying something else. Not only pointing them to God and his word, but Paul was also saying that for he himself personally, that he trusted God and his word to provide them with the kind of help that they needed to move forward. So Paul is not only making a statement about himself, I trust God and his word to provide for you and help you moving forward, but he was also then encouraging these leaders to keep their focus on God, to keep looking to God and his word to help and provide for them as they move forward. I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. Now, as you look at that, the end of verse, uh, the second half of verse 32, you see that Paul gives some descriptions about God's word and what it is able to accomplish, what it will do. 
And notice that he describes God's word as the word of his grace. And so we need to remind ourselves what grace is. And a good definition of grace is that grace is the undeserved favor of God. Okay, So you are given something from God that you do not deserve. You have not earned it. That is what grace is all about. And so Paul describes the word of God as the word of his grace. So it is a word about the undeserved favor of God that people, sinful people can, can be uh, blessed by. Look at verse 24 for a minute. We're, we're given a couple other descriptions about God's word. It says at the end of verse 24 that, that Paul testified solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. And the word gospel simply means good news. And so Paul went around in his ministry proclaiming the good news of the undeserved favor of God for sinful people. And that is, in fact, a good message, isn't it? That is good news. If you know that you're a sinful person and you don't deserve forgiveness, you don't deserve heaven, and then you hear this message that God is willing to give those things to you, although you don't deserve it, that's good news. And so Paul went around proclaiming the gospel, the good news of the grace of God. And notice also that Paul spoke about repentance toward God and faith in Jesus Christ. That's at the end of verse 21. Okay? And so this gospel, this good news, reminds us of our sin. We need to confess our sin and deal with our sin before God. But through faith in Jesus Christ, we receive forgiveness. <coughs> Excuse me. If you look at the end of verse 28, he, Paul reminded them, he reminds us today, that Jesus purchased uh, us with his own blood. And so Paul, in different ways, is really reminding these leaders of what the church is all about, what the gospel message is all about. And it has to do with salvation for sinful people through faith in Christ. The Christ who has come and died for our sins and purchased salvation for us. And so Paul then describes how the word of God's grace is able to do two things. First of all, he said, it's able to build you up. To build you up in the faith. That's, that's the point. The word of God's grace will build you up in the faith. Now, I'd like to focus on three things in particular in terms of how God uses his word to build us up in the faith. The word of God's grace, first of all, teaches us about the nature of God himself. Now, from creation, we can see that God is certainly powerful and intelligent to have created the universe that he has created. We can read in the scriptures about how God is a perfectly holy God. He is a just God. He must deal with sin. But we also read in the scriptures that God is merciful and God is gracious, that he is willing to forgive sin because Christ has accomplished all that is necessary for him to pardon us because the price has been paid for our sins. The word of God's grace teaches us about God, that he is merciful, which means he doesn't give us what we actually deserve. It teaches us that God is gracious, that he is willing to give to us that which we do not deserve. 
And that's really the difference between mercy and grace. Mercy is God not giving us what we do deserve. Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. And so the word of God's grace teaches us that God is a merciful and a gracious God. And he takes delight in saving sinful people who do not deserve it. The word of God's grace, secondly, teaches us about the nature of salvation. And again and again we're told in the scriptures that we are not saved by doing good works. We're not saved by our effort at being a good person. And that's, as you know, that's kind of the, that's kind of the emphasis today, right? Be a good person. And, and God will let you into heaven. But the scriptures teach us that it is not by works that we are saved. It doesn't work that way. But rather we are saved by grace. And again, the undeserved favor of God. We're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus has come and paid the price for my sins and for your sins. For the sins of the whole world. And so the word of God's grace teaches us about the way of salvation. That through repentance and faith in Christ, God is gracious to us and gives us salvation. And one day will give us heaven. Thirdly, the word of God's grace teaches us about the nature of godly living. So as we think about God's word of grace being able to build us up in the faith, we need to know about God himself. We need to know about the nature of salvation or the way of salvation. We also need to know about what God has to say to us about how we ought to live in this world. And the word of God's grace teaches us about the nature of godly living. And it reminds us that not only are we not saved by good works, but the good works that we would do as a believer in Jesus Christ do not earn us anything before God. That we do not try to follow God's commandments in order to earn our salvation or to think that we must follow them in order for God to keep loving us. If he loved us enough to save us in the first place, he loves us enough to keep on loving us. And the word of God's grace teaches us that following God's commandments living in the way that God calls us to live is simply the natural result of being in a saving relationship with God. God, through his word, through his spirit, is at work in our lives, changing us, helping us to deal with our sin, helping us to, to grow in terms of, of, of obedience. We, we do the things that God wants us to do, and he helps us to, to, to say no to temptation. And God calls us to do these things not to earn our salvation because that can only be received as a gift through faith. But we live our lives in a certain way in obedience to God as an expression of our gratitude for what God has given to us. We live our lives in a way that honors God that we may glorify the one who has created us and saved us. We live our lives in the way that God wants us to so that we can help and serve others in the way that God would call us to.
And so all of these things are involved in being built up in the faith. And Paul says that the word of God's grace is able to accomplish these things. It will build you up in the faith. And then secondly, Paul says that the word of God's grace is able to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Now if we think about inheritances today, we probably think about money first of all, don't we? If you're, if you're set to inherit something, there's a good chance it's money. And sometimes it has to, you don't get that money until someone dies, right? So it's kind of a, it's kind of a depressing thought, right? I got this money coming my way when mom and dad die, right? But we have inheritances today. Sometimes we inherit money. Sometimes we inherit property. Sometimes we inherit possessions. And so we understand the idea of an inheritance, that something is coming our way, but not yet, right? That's what an inheritance is. Something is coming our way, but not yet. Well, something is coming the way of the believer in Jesus Christ, but not yet. And the inheritance that Paul is talking about here, when he says that God, the word of God's grace is able to give you the inheritance... The inheritance that he's talking about is heaven. He's talking about an eternity of being with God. He's talking about the eternal destiny of believers. Now, in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, which we looked at this morning for our scripture reading, if, if you look at verse 9, what a beautiful verse we have about those who are believers. Peter writes to these Christians and says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. And so if you've come to believe in Jesus Christ today, you belong to God not only now, but forever. And what an amazing thing that is. That I belong to God. That I am part of his own possession. And that this wonderful, gracious, merciful God wants to be with me forever. And through faith in Jesus, he has opened the door of heaven. That inheritance is coming. This is what Jesus talks about in John chapter 14. If you want to turn there, you can. In John 14, Jesus is speaking to his disciples His death was coming soon, and he was preparing them. But he says to them, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. And then Jesus begins to speak about this inheritance that is coming for those who believe. He says, In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Then Thomas asked the question, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? And then we got these familiar words of Jesus. He said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
Think of how many millions and millions and millions of places that Jesus has prepared for those who believe. It's probably billions, actually, right? Jesus is preparing a whole lot of places in heaven. Is he preparing a place for you? If you believe in him, he is. He's preparing a place for you right now. That's the inheritance that Paul is talking about here. And how the word of God's grace is able to build us up in the faith. And of course there's a goal in mind. That one day we would receive the inheritance of heaven. This of course is a good reminder for us as a church, as as believers in Christ. A reminder to us of really what our purpose is as a church. And our purpose is to help people get to heaven. That's why we exist. And I want to see you all up there someday. Like I said, I'm thankful that even though I don't know the future, I'm thankful that I'll probably see you guys again. Right? But most importantly, I want to see you in heaven one day. I'll be very interested to hear from you guys time to time. How's life going? I'll be able to rejoice in your joys as kids graduate school and go to college and get married and have kids and you have grandbabies and you get a job promotion and the price of corn finally goes up and can rejoice with you guys in all of those things. But the thing I'm going to care most about is that you have a relationship with Christ and that you're being built up in the faith. So that you too will have the inheritance of heaven. And so Paul said to these dear friends of his, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us the scriptures. Thank you for this story that is recorded for us. And I pray, Lord, that that you would continue to graciously work in our lives through your word, through the work of your spirit, 
to build us up in the faith. Remind us again and again that we are saved by grace through faith in Christ. And Lord, I pray that you would remind us again and again too that our job as believers in Christ is to help others get to heaven as well. To point them to the only one who can save them from their sin. Thanks for involving us in this work. Help us to be faithful in serving you and living to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.